Do you recognize this sound? That's the hum of a Singer sewing machine. A machine like this used to be found in homes around the world, making and mending clothing and creating beautiful decorative arts like quilts. For many families, it was essential for managing the household budget, especially those who couldn't afford the latest fashions. They relied on inexpensive cloth and cheap patterns to make new items and patches to extend the life of well-worn clothes. In some cases, a sewing machine even helped supplement the household income by making clothes to order for better-off neighbors. Even if you don't have a sewing machine in your home, you may know someone who does. But in this age of fast fashion that is inexpensive and quickly thrown away, the whirring sound of a singer may seem to belong to another era. Instead of the hum of domestic industriousness and thrift, Today it might be the sound of nostalgia. For my student Min, it sounds like home. I'm Chris McMorrin, a professor at the National University of Singapore, and you're listening to Home on the Dot, the podcast about the power and meanings of home in today's world, all through the stories and lives of my students. In this episode, I focus on a single object, a sewing machine that bound a family together for three generations, but today stands idle. I journey to the heartlands of Singapore to hear the machine for myself, to listen to the history of this object, and to understand the commitment and sacrifice of a woman for her family, channeled through her Singer sewing machine. If your sewing machine is collecting dust, I hope this episode helps you see it in a new light. Perhaps you'll even plug it in again and make it hum. Stay tuned. In 2010, the British Museum and BBC4 Radio collaborated on a simple yet powerful project. A history of the world in 100 objects. In a series of short radio episodes played over 20 weeks, museum director Neil McGregor presented a short, detailed history of just 100 items that gave listeners some of the highlights of the artistic and technological achievements featured at the museum. This project inspired one of my favorite homework assignments. If you had to choose one object that signifies home, what would it be? When I ask my students this question, I get all sorts of answers, from family photos and quilts passed through the generations, to less obvious items like a video game console shared by a pair of brothers. For Min, home is a sewing machine. As she put it eloquently in one of her papers, quote, The sewing machine is where the memories of my childhood and the intense emotional relationship I share with my amma, my grandmother, is materialized. The machine bound the family together, especially in its role making clothes for the family celebrations like weddings and Chinese New Year. In fact, Min compared her grandmother's sewing machine to the hearth, which Martin Heidegger famously suggested was the focal point of all homes. This was the center of all social relations in the home, 
the home fire that provided comfort, safety, and a sense of belonging. For Heidegger, as long as the fire is burning, there is a home. For Min, as long as the sewing machine is whirring, there is home. What I particularly loved about Min's essay was her emphasis on the sound of the machine's motor. As she wrote, quote, one of the most memorable times of my childhood was where I would sit beside Amma playing with my toys while listening to the sound of the wheel being spun by the electric motor as she sewed and tailored all day. The sound has always been a reminder and affirmation of Amma's presence and the immense love and affection she bestowed upon us. End quote. One can almost feel the vibrations traveling from the machine to a five-year-old mean playing on the floor nearby. Even without seeing her grandmother at work, the hum of the motor assured her that she was safe and that her grandmother loved her. She felt the security and comfort of home. Sadly, in recent years, the sewing machine has sat increasingly idle due to her grandmother's arthritis and worsening eyesight. Now, every time Mean visits her grandmother and walks past the abandoned machine, it nearly breaks her heart. She writes, The absence of the mechanical drone whenever I go to Amma's house jolts me into a sense of unfamiliarity and discomfort where home does not feel like home anymore. She cannot help but feel nostalgic, longing to hear the whir of the sewing machine and to see her grandmother deep in concentration, creating something beautiful. It feels like the thread that tied the family together is slowly unraveling. Since I first read Min's paper, I wanted to hear that motor. For a while, it appeared I wouldn't get my wish. When I approached Min last year about sharing her story for this podcast, she told me her grandmother was in hospital, recovering from a recent fall. I feared I was too late. But a few weeks later, Min told me her grandmother was back home and doing well. In fact, she was excited to show us her sewing machine and invited us to visit. So Ryan and I set out on a Friday afternoon to record the machine I'd only heard in my mind for two years and to meet the amazing woman who we learned had used her sewing machine to provide so much for her family. After living with Min and helping raise her for years, Amma now stays with Min's aunt and helps care for her three youngest grandchildren, aged four, six, and eleven. Today, the youngest had a fever. So while her parents went to work, Ama took her to the doctor. Hi. Sick. Sick. Ah, okay. See, doctor, come back. 
She met us at the door. She seemed excited to show us her sewing machine and talk about what it means to her. Thankfully, Min was there to translate her grandmother's unique blend of Mandarin, Teochew, and English. Hi, 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 husband. Yeah, this your one, husband. Yeah, uh, this one big son. This one is your son. Uh, <laughs> this one small son. This one. Uh, this one small son. Okay. Uh, this one husband. This is your husband. Uh, he's, he's so handsome. Uh, so handsome. So handsome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so handsome. Despite the language barrier. Ama made two things clear right away. She loved her family, and she was proud of her work as a seamstress. It wasn't just that she did beautiful work; that was obvious from the wedding gowns and other clothes she pointed out in family photos. But, as we soon learned, she was even prouder of the fact that her sewing had contributed to the family income and substantially improved its well-being. And importantly, she could do this work at home. She could keep up the childcare and housework expected of her as a wife and mother. Ama's pride in her work was obvious almost as soon as we walked in the door. She quickly steered us to her bedroom to show us her pride and joy. The sewing machine sits just inside her bedroom door, where she can watch the grandchildren in the next room. Since it doesn't get much use these days, it's covered with plastic bags full of intricate cloth buttons she made in the past for Chongsam. A dress commonly worn during Chinese New Year. She gingerly moved the bags to reveal her precious old singer, with its original wooden top and iron treadle-driven base. The treadle is that metal plate you push with your foot to run the machine. That's how she first learned. But years ago, she attached an electric motor. The result is a hybrid machine that takes advantage of both the sturdiness of the original singer frame and the convenience of electricity. I could barely control my excitement. Let's hear the sewing machine first. This car, ah, it's old. It's very old, right? Jump, jump, jump. Oh, oh, oh. Fifty years old. 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 If you are one, you know I guessed incorrectly. Ama wasn't calling the machine old. I mean, yeah, it is old. How many household appliances do you own that are more than fifty years old? But she had been saying "zhuang," which means the machine earned her a lot of money during her lifetime. But when she first acquired it around fifty-five years ago, she had no training and no idea if she would be any good. Plus, she couldn't afford it. So how did she get this beautiful, sturdy machine that made her all this money over the years? I think she, she said she bought this first, 
Then after that, she learned. That means she already had intention to learn, so she decided to yeah. buy it first. But it's a big investment. Yeah. Without knowing if you're going to use it. It's quite Oh, some by that's a lot of money. 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 That's Oh, my uh, my grandfather uh-huh. yeah, paid for the $15 a month. When they were dating, <laughs> when they were dating, and then oh. he told my grandfather. Oh. Oh. My grandfather. Oh. 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 So when they were dating, she told my grandfather that she wanted to learn. And that's why like asked him to buy one for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. then that was how like he bought it for her. So yeah. oh so not not her father, but Oh no, my your, your my grandfather. grandfather yeah, yeah, when they were dating. Her, her yeah. Boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my boyfriend. Boyfriend. Uh, boyfriend. <laughs> 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 <音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音><音
eventually charging up to $70 per shirt. In fact, she became so good that she could use her sewing machine as a tool to give her family a better life. Yeah. Compared to your friends and neighbors, were you quite like the highest level, uh, highest skill? she wanted to send her kids to education, yeah. Yeah, to school, so yeah, she want, uh, yeah, she needed the money. Yeah, that's why she was there. Four, yeah, four kids. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, you want piano, you want sneak out. Oh, and they wanted the piano. Yeah, My husband, yeah. Uh, my grandfather loved his kids a lot, so whatever they wanted to learn, like piano, soccer, whatever, he was like, okay, let, just let them go and like, learn. That's yeah. why she wanted to make more money so that they can go and learn whatever they want to learn. Her husband, who drove a taxi during the day and a fire engine at night when they first met, never would have earned enough to give their four children the advantages they eventually enjoyed. Her sewing helped pay for their education, piano lessons, and more. Unfortunately, these days her arthritis and poor eyesight prevent her from sewing, so the machine sits idle. Can you see me? After hearing her story and seeing her skills, I finally understood why Min feels such an uncanny sense of loss when she visits her grandmother and walks past the idle sewing machine. She can no longer make her singer sing. As we said our goodbyes, we asked Min's young cousin to take our photo. how long can I go, Ama? First, first you go, go. Mm, Even yeah. though you have pain, you went to the hairdresser. Yeah, that's mm. right. For us. Yeah. <laughs> the British Museum and the BBC's original 100 Objects project explained the wider social and political context behind many of the objects. This helped each object become a lens for looking at more complex issues in world history. 
Is there more to learn from Ama's sewing machine than just the feel-good story about its history and its importance to this family? I think we can use Ama's sewing machine to tell a more complex story about home. We can use the sewing machine to question one of the most persistent and problematic ideas about home, that it's a space distinct from work, a space of rest and recovery away from work. Many scholars trace this idea back to the Industrial Revolution, but it continues today. But this is just a convenient fiction we tell ourselves. The physical and emotional work done in the home is often unpaid, unthanked, and unmentioned. But that doesn't mean it isn't work. Sociologist Arlie Hochschild made this point through her notion of the second shift. This refers to the additional time women spend caring for their families, doing laundry, cooking meals, and more, after returning from their day jobs. The workload is so demanding and lengthy that many feel they're clocking in again for a second shift each night when they get home. This labor done at home is work. It's just usually unpaid domestic labor. But paid labor is often done in the home too. Writing, accounting, artistic work, investing, tech jobs, all these and more can be done at home. And many companies allow employees to work from home, saving companies money and giving employees flexibility. So can we really say the home is a space separate from work? Let's get back to Ama's sewing machine. It's a perfect example of how the line between home and work can be blurred or even non-existent. The machine allowed her to uphold the idea of a woman's place being in the home. In fact, it might even seem like the machine became an anchor, keeping her close to home and separating her from the outside world. The more skilled she became and the more the family relied on her earnings, the more she became tied to the machine. But it's more complicated than that. The sewing machine may be located in the home, but Ama used it to run a small business. It let her fulfill her obligations as a wife and mother, sure, but it also involved her in a wider community of family, friends, neighbors, and strangers outside her door. The machine even enrolled Ama in a national project of economic growth and development as both a producer of clothes and a consumer of the sewing machine in the first place. Remember how she paid for it? Monthly installments of $15. Just like the HDB flat in which it sits, the sewing machine required a long-term financial commitment to both the home and in return to the nation, as the couple pursued the Singaporean dream of providing a better life for their children. There's nothing quite like a mortgage and other monthly payments for pricey consumer goods to limit labor unrest and keep people working hard for the promise of a better future. In all these ways, Ama's sewing machine was not just a tool for earning money. It was a magical machine for erasing the walls between the private world of the home and the public space outside, as the aims of the family and the nation merged. In August 2017, I was in London for an academic conference, and I decided to check out the British Museum. While exploring the Egyptian sculpture gallery and its most famous occupant, the Rosetta Stone, I was startled to find a sewing machine. I had just visited Bean's grandmother a few weeks before and still had sewing machines on the brain. But somehow I didn't expect to see one here, in the museum that inspired Bean's assignment in the first place. 
The machine was part of a small new exhibit called Collecting Modern Egypt. It was first purchased in 1960s Cairo, around the same time as Ahmad's machine. As the description made clear, the Egyptian model was yet another example of a sewing machine whose history was sewn up with culturally specific ideas of gender, modernity, and class ambition. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. The sewing machine is just one of those objects that is durable and ubiquitous, intimately connecting homes to the wider world beyond their front doors. This episode was written and produced by me, with research help from Chan Wen King. Our sound engineers were Ryan Ong and Stanley Chow. I owe a huge debt of gratitude to Min and her sweet grandmother for sharing their complex relationships with the sewing machine and for inviting me and Ryan to hear it were. Finally, I want to thank Andrew Gordon, professor of history at Harvard University. He kindly spoke with me via Skype about his book, A History of the Sewing Machine in Japan, called Fabricating Consumers. Unfortunately, the recording quality was so poor we couldn't use it. I've included a short summary of the conversation and his book on our webpage, tinyurl.com slash home on the dot. In fact, while producing this episode, I was astonished at how much scholarship is out there on sewing machines, including Gordon's book. I've included links to many of these works online, but let me end by highlighting the work of Dr. Lillian Chi, a professor in the Department of Architecture here at NUS. In my mind, no one demonstrates the power of the sewing machine to blur the boundary between home and work, particularly in Singapore, more eloquently than she does, both in her academic writing and her architectural essay film titled Three Flats. You should really check it out. We've included links to her work and all the other work mentioned here on our website. We also have a link to the British Museum's Egyptian sewing machine and a link to another sewing machine in another museum, a gift from a husband to his wife that is on display at the National Museum of Singapore. Thank you for listening. 